Let's Talk Books. I'm Robin Van Auken, a writer and a teacher. My guest and I want to help you write your own book. We're sharing ideas about inspiration, book publication, and promotion. You can find the episode show notes, a free novel, guides, and tutorials at robinvanauken.com. Enjoy the show. It's episode number 16, and my guest is Wendy Butler-Dean, owner of the Omnibus Publishing, a boutique publishing company that specializes in children's books. Recently, Wendy started publishing young adult novels and nonfiction. The Omnibus is a hybrid publishing company, a unique blend of older, traditional publishing and new digital publishing, producing ebooks and print-on-demand paperbacks. Wendy's a savvy publisher and knows how to harness the power of building community and combining social media with traditional marketing. She's embraced the technology of the 21st century and uses a variety of tools in the acquisition, publication, and promotion of books. She's also got a few Amazon bestsellers under her belt now as a publisher. She's the mother of three energetic and creative children, and it was her desire to find and read quality books to her children that led her to become a publisher. We can learn a lot about creating works for those we love from Wendy. She's developed her business because she wanted to be a part of her children's literary world, and she's accomplished that many times over. And now she has a legacy business to pass on to them. You can learn more about Wendy and the Omnibus Publishing Company in the show notes at robinvanauken.com. Let's get started. Hi, this is Robin Van Auken, the Wholehearted Author, and it is episode number 16, and I am here today with Wendy Butler-Dean, owner of the Omnibus Publishing Company. We're going to be talking today a little bit about her business and what's, you know, what inspires her, actually, to keep this business going, what inspired her to start it, and where she's going with it in the future. Wendy, welcome to my podcast, and thank you. Thank you for having me. Okay, so I've got a few questions for you. And one of the first questions I wanted to ask is, can you tell me a little bit about why you started a publishing company that first focused on children's books? Well, that, that's easy. When I first started having kids and reading books to them and their love of reading started to grow, I started to find that there was just as much bad out there as there was good. And I wanted to leave something for my kids for the future where um, we, where I and this company had curated a small catalog at the least of good quality, timeless children's books. And it's sort of, that's where we, or that's where I started off um, with the Omnibus Publishing. Well, that's, that's very interesting because when I was a very young mother, I, I had two children, Lance and Sarah. And one of the first things I did when they were about one year old is I started getting books. I joined a book club. A lot of mothers did this. And I'm talking about 35 years ago. <laughs> this was a long time ago. And we used to get, <laughs> we used to get wonderful little books that I love to read through, you know, the automatic book club, you know, and, um, then the Berenstain Bears, uh, that, that was one of the series that my daughter loved tremendously. But I spent a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of energy on children's books. But that was, like I said, 35 years ago. And you're saying that there's a lot of books out there that just aren't worth reading to your children. Can you tell me a little bit about that 
what happened and how did so many of these books get into the market? I think what has happened is for us, uh, we did a lot of what you're talking about. We went to every Friday, we went to the local bookstore for the um, the reading. They always did a story hour. We are once a month, there was uh, the woman at the mall who did her story time slash children's time. And there was almost always a book involved and so on and so forth. We would go to the library. Um, but what I found was happening is that it was a repetitive set of books. So it was the same good night moon or uh, I love you forever. And there's really, as a parent, yes, I love you forever. But at some point I want to love you with another book. Um, and, and I was finding in addition to that, where it was just a repetitive same stories is that my kids weren't interested sometimes in the books that were acclaimed, so to speak. Um, I have a 12-year-old now reader, and there are a lot of ALA-awarded books that just don't speak to her, but she really enjoys other genres. So what I wanted to do for them was sort of with this find something that was fun and engaging. And uh, honestly, when those manuscripts came across, came across my desk, I would read them to my kids to see what their reaction was and how engaged they were. I think with uh, the internet and the advent of Amazon books and the create space publishing platform, what we're getting now is we're getting a flood of books that are, some are really great and they're diamonds in the rough and others are not so great. And they kind of clog up that book channel, that publishing channel. So we're in this space now where we have to really pick and choose. It's almost like going to, the sale rack at your favorite department store and picking through things till you find that one piece that you fall in love with. Uh, so what I would, my goal is, is to create high quality, timeless children's books that people can count on that will be that high quality that they're looking for without having to pick through that rack. Well, so this is a labor of love for you. It is. It is. Um, there are days where I'm like, I want to throw up my hands and give it up, but then something comes across my desk, something amazing or something. There's a breakthrough where an author has a high ranking on Amazon as a, as a, as a published author or something else. And it just keeps drawing me back. The quality of what we're receiving in our email submissions has gone up in the last 12 to 18 months. And that keeps me very excited. So yeah, I don't see, giving this up for a while. And my kids are enjoying it. I, like, I have a 12-year-old, a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, and my two oldest love to consider themselves beta readers. So I'll give them a manuscript that is appropriate and let them kind of go through it and let me know what, they, what their thoughts are. So they have, they're starting to have a little bit of a, a feeling of ownership as to what the family business is doing. Wow, that is actually very wonderful. Now, when you started this business, you had never been a book published before. You did not go to college for communications, am I right? Can you tell me a little bit about your background and, and the learning curve that you encountered? Oh, wow. So huge learning curve. I did the complete opposite of publishing, as, I think, as far as you can go. Uh, my background is in athletic training, and an athletic trainer is someone who can diagnose treat and rehabilitate athletic injury. The population of people I worked with were division one college athletes. So I spent 17 years um, out of grad school working with division one college athletes uh, towards the end of that 17 years. So those last three years, uh, I would, was starting to have kids and 
as a college athletic trainer, you spend 10 months or more on the road traveling with teams. You're at every practice, you're at every game. And I didn't see myself doing that and trying to raise a family. It's a very difficult balance. Um, I watch where other people are very successful and other people's families fall apart. So I really wanted to be able to spend more time at home. Uh, those last three years, I transitioned into teaching. I was a visiting instructor at a local university, uh, the second largest university in Maryland, Towson University. I worked um, for three years there teaching. And as I was coming out of that, I was actually approached by some mutual friends about uh, a different project. So we started this company and it surrounded books. We, we were creating arts and crafts activities based on the theme of children's books. And what we were, what I was finding, what I was feeling like is there was this disconnect between the product and the consumer. So you're starting a brand new company with a brand new product that no one has heard of, but without owning the rights to the book, it was very difficult to use the use excerpts from the book or illustrations from the book as part of your packaging. And so it was, you were, we were constantly having to explain what our product was without it explaining itself. So at some point in all of that, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, well, why would, why don't we publish a few of our own books and be able to do this? And, but by the time that happened, you know, the business was moving in a different direction with my partners. And I decided to break away from that and try my hand at publishing children's books. And you've been doing so well at it. This is amazing. I was looking through your backlist here and you've got quite the catalog started. Yes. So um, you asked about the learning curve. So before the catalog, the learning curve has been great. Um, it's been huge. I'm fortunate enough to have a family member who has experience and a background in publishing, and I'm able to utilize that person as a resource. She's been an enormous resource. It's, I can't thank her enough. And um, uh, it's just been a, I've done a lot of reading. It's, some of it's been trial and error. Sometimes we, we make mistakes on, on our end and we have to fix them or and we just make sure that we learn from them and move on. I think the hardest part had been for me is the marketing piece at the end. I think because I really enjoy the artistic side of putting a book together, bringing authors and illustrators together when it's a children's picture book. And then I have my hands in formatting that book before you know, putting it out into a PDF format for the printer. Uh, and then comes the marketing piece. And I think the marketing piece was probably an even bigger curve, trying to figure out what's the best way to market our what this company and our product so that we're not lost in this ocean of books. So as you're looking at the catalog, um, our first author is to have signed and published a book with us was Candy Grant, and she is out of Columbus, Mississippi. And our connection was through Mississippi State University. She lives 30 minutes from the university, and while she is an um, Alabama fan, she's <laughs> currently well, she's currently um, working on her PhD at Mississippi State. So prior to her entry into her doctoral program, we connected via Twitter. And we had this connection through Mississippi State. I worked there as an athletic trainer, as an assistant athletic trainer there for a few years out of school. And we started talking and we just hit it off. Um, and her books, she sent me a, she sent me a small catalog. She has lots of books. Um, and you can see we've published five to eight of hers, I think. And she even has another one that's ready to go for next year. But her books are, they're fun. They're whimsical. Parents love them. The kids are engaged with them. 
she's had her book, her first book ever that we published from her was The Pigs Did It. And that book has been in school classrooms as part of the reading curriculum. And it's one of, it is her bestseller in the catalog. And then as you move through it, you can see um, where she's had to take some time off for her doctorate. So we haven't published her in about 18 months to a two years, but you can see how we've grown through picture books. And now this year is our first year where we've turned a corner and we're offering middle grade and young adult fiction. And we're super excited about that and just about the genres and about growing the brand and expanding into to different areas of, of reading. So your young adult books that you've introduced, Pumpkin Pie, I understand, is one of the most recent. Yeah. Can you tell me about that? Yes. Pumpkin Pie is, I love, love, love this. This is going to, hopefully, if the author is still willing to write the series, hopefully it will turn into a series, and we've dubbed it the Hep Pie Ever After series, because all of the main characters in the series work at a pie shop. And it's very similar to one that's here in Baltimore, where the author first started writing. and you go to the pie shop and they make pies. You can get succulent pies. You can get dessert pies. So basically you could have pie breakfast, lunch, and dinner at this pie shop. And um, what Caitlin has done is she's taken the traditional fairy tale and turned it on its head in a more modern context. So in pumpkin pie, the main character is clearly the Cinderella character. Only this time she's not just dealing with self-esteem. She's dealing with family issues of divorce and separation. Um, And she's really bringing in those modern concepts into the novel. And so it makes it a little bit more the older reader, that young adult reader, it's more for them. And as she goes through the series, her books will address other modern, more adult themes, such as um, the LGBTQ community, where there will be one of our favorite characters, not Disney or fairy tale or otherwise, who has to deal with that in her own way um, and coming out. There uh, is going to be a story on where we weave in uh, date rape and um, another, uh, there is another, but I don't want to give it away. <laughs> I don't want to give away too much of the secret sauce, but that's where that series is coming from. So taking your favorite Disney or your favorite fairy tale characters and and flipping the script. The the women are no longer needing to be saved. They are saving themselves or other people. Um, they're not waiting for life to happen to them. They're waiting to, they're going to flip it around and make things happen for themselves. So you've been actually building a community of writers, but more than that, a community of readers. And one of your writers is a young woman I understand, um, what is it, McClinton has written The Magic Necklace. Can you tell me about your youngest author here? Uh, yes, Micaiah. Her first name is pronounced Micaiah uh, McClinton, and she is actually 14 years old. She turned in this manuscript at the age of 12, and we took about two years to edit it um, because we wanted to, we were very interested in the story. I couldn't believe that a 12-year-old has, so this much creativity and the story was amazing and we wanted to do something positive. We also wanted to, to show young readers and young writers, young aspiring writers that anyone can be successful. Just get out there, just write your book. So we took her um, under our wing for about two years with the editing process. And I have to say that was definitely a trial by error kind of deal only because 
of two factors. One, she's a minor. So we have to walk this really fine line of protecting her privacy, but also promoting her and her work. And then there was the editing process where we wanted to be very careful to not edit so much that we were really ghostwriting for her. We wanted it to come across as if the 14-year-old had written it. Um, we didn't want it to be Pulitzer Prizing, Pulitzer Prize winning right now because um, we want to show how in a few years when she publishes her second edition of this book, how she's grown as a writer. Uh, she actually did an interview on local TV this morning in, and she is out of Columbus, Mississippi, same as Candy. And Candy was the one who connected us. Um, she said she ran into, I don't even remember the backstory, but she ran into her mother, Micaiah's mother, who was talking about the book. And then Candy asked to meet the two of them in person. And it was after a few meetings and a few discussions that um, Candy introduced Micaiah and her mother to me. And we had many conversations and fast forward to now Micaiah, a 14 year old high school student has her first published work. Well, and that brings us actually to your philosophy with your company. You, you say that you're guiding um, writers and authors to create world-class literature. And you don't exactly work with people who have um, literary agents. Tell me a little bit about that philosophy. Ooh, that's a good one. You're a Baltimore-based publisher. And more than that, though, as a, as a young woman, who has created this company from scratch. You are the entrepreneurial <laughs> business owner, yeah. right? Because you pulled this right. business out of your imagination and you decided that you wanted to have a different kind of paradigm when it comes to working with authors. I've worked with traditional publishers before on, you know, many, many of my books. And, um, you know, seriously, I've said this before to other people, but my, one of my first editors said, Robin, a, you know, a book has the shelf life of a tomato. Once your book is done, you're out of here and we're not going to really want to talk to you anymore. I mean, he was being very honest. He was telling me behind the scenes that how that publishing company works. But it seems to me that you have this completely different take on how a publishing company should work in the 21st century. Right. So I, I think that what happens is that there is a lot of talent out there that is underrepresented. Um, I feel like, and this is just my personal observation, so I hope no one gets mad at me when they hear this, but I feel like within the big five publishing houses, the major publishing houses, they don't really need the everyday author. They have celebrities, they have sports stars, they have um, big time authors that are already signed to their companies that they don't need to run out and and search for the next big thing, they kind of already have some of that built in. And it doesn't mean that the next big thing won't be discovered by those guys. Um, it just, for me, I would like to, I think we, when I wanted to start, what I really want to do is give a voice to those who would not otherwise have one in the publishing realm and not just anybody, because that's what platforms like create space are for. Um, what I want to do is create those timeless books that people will want to read over and over again or pass on to their children or recommend to their children when they have their own. And um, I, that's why it's not Im important to me to that an author have an agent. Um, I've, we have not had run into that where an author has an agent and we've had to work around that. So I haven't had the privilege of working with one. Um, but these, the authors that I'm looking for have a story to tell. They have, they're interesting just personally. 
as well and have a have something to um, present to the public and give to the public that is as meaningful as their work. I like that in our company that I get to work one-on-one with the authors who sign. So they're not just handed off to some random team. It, it's a team, but it still includes me. Um, so they get to meet me first. They get to have a conversation and ask all of the big questions about how we manage our contracts and what is the benefit for them and what where our benefit is. And then they are part of the process. So they're, they just don't hand over their work and they say, okay, and then I slap a cover on it or I hire the illustrator or however um, we all work together to make that happen. And they have almost as much say as I do in how that finished product works. I mean, at some point, somebody has to be the boss and say, okay, we're done and we're going to do this. But for the most part, they have every bit as much say in how the illustrations flow. Um, we go through illustrators. We'll have two or three who submit thumbnail sketches and you know their vision for what the book should look like. And the authors have say in who we choose uh, when it comes to a book like pumpkin pie that doesn't have illustrations, but needs a, a cool book cover. You know, we go through several submissions um, from illustrators and graphic designers who specialize in that. And then we go through and we pick what we want and how we would change it. This is a great cover, but this is how we want to tweak it. So they have, I like that we are team based and everyone gets a little bit of say in every how that final book looks. Well, you mentioned something there that I wanted to go back to. The fact that you're working with authors, but you're also working with illustrators. You're giving them equal status on your website and in these stories, and your authors are working with a variety of illustrators. So you're changing up the looks of a book at the same time that you're changing the story. Tell me a little bit about the illustrators also. So all the illustrators work on a freelance basis. They're not, um, they, they, we have two who have outgrown us and actually have picked up agents of their own and are publishing their own works, which has been incredible. And I'm hugely proud of those women who have done that. Um, but we look at, um, sometimes the author will find the illustrator first and they'll say, hey, this is who I think I want to work with. Can we contact this person? And if their artwork, if their portfolio is in line with the look and feel of what we're all producing, then I say yes, and I reach out. And we, the company, the publishing house, we hire the illustrator. So the, the author has some say in who illustrates their book, but they don't have to put out any money. So we pay for the illustrations because we want to own everything. Because What if we do want to market something in the future um, that requires packaging or however we want to do that? Um, it allows us that opportunity. Um, the illustrators that we have have been from all over the country and outside the country, um, from California to Indonesia. And the great thing about the web is that everything lives in the cloud. So I can work with someone in California or Indonesia and the work is, you know, it's there when I wake up in the morning and it's for, for me and I can ask for a correction or a tweak here and there. And the illustrators and the authors get an opportunity to talk one-on-one without me. So they, once we get everything, once we've decided on an illustrator, they have, um, some time where just the author and illustrator get together and kind of map out 
how they want the book to flow, how it, how those images should look and how it should flow from start to finish. And then the illustrator will come back with those thumbnails and that's when I get back into the process and we talk about that and make sure everything is on point with what we're producing. Um, I think I got away from your question though a little bit. Did I answer that? You're you're getting there, <laughs> but you okay. also have an illustrator that is a writer. Um, I noticed that John Nordstrom illustrates his own books, and how does that um, work and mesh with your um, philosophy of owning the illustrations to your book? Do you basically have so, two contracts with him? Well, no, yes, we do. Um, within the contract. For, for John is a, is an addendum that he gets to, and actually this is a piece for all of our illustrators. We allow them still to be able to sell their work uh, with the requirement that they put either the Omnibus Publishing logo or they give some type of credit to the Omnibus Publishing on that piece. So, for example, if it's not John Nordstrom, if Michaela Schuett was to produce a poster based on something she produced for us, she would just have to put um, make sure that she places credit to the publishing company somewhere on the front of that poster. With John, it's the same way. He is, he's very talented. Uh, he's a self-taught uh, illustrator and is, uh, he's super popular in Southern Maryland. He is commissioned for artwork that's not related at all to any of his books, but he also does sell prints from his books. Um, he's been featured in several art stores uh, in Annapolis, also in uh, one Annapolis coffee and wine house hosted his artwork for a month. And some of it was from his books, but mo the majority of it was his outside uh, commissioned work. And it works well with us because he gets the opportunity to, to, to do the drawings that he wants to do in the manner in which he wants to do it. And we actually have such a good response to his drawings that I really wouldn't change anything that he does. One of the things that we do ask him to do to stay consistent and it's sort of his signature is that as we publish a book, the left side is the main image and on the right side is some type of frame where the text goes inside and the frame is related to the image on the opposite page. So it kind of gives him the the look and feel of hey, uh, for a customer who might be walking through a store and, and that you can recognize it easily. Oh, that's a John Nordstrom book. Kind of the same way Eric Carl does his illustrations and for his work, you can see it and recognize right away. Oh, that's an Eric Carl book. We wanted to give that same look for John's books as well. Right. So he gets to, to do that and we get to have an author who is he recognized by his drawings. He sells so he does really well based on his drawings. Not that his his text and his content um, isn't good, but the first thing that people are drawn to are his drawings or his illustrations. So now, tell me a little bit about Bianca finds her bounce and the fact that you became an Amazon bestseller in two different categories. Yes. Oh my gosh. So that was the first to hit the Amazon top 25 in best new releases before it was released. And then afterwards it was uh, also uh, a best seller 
in its category, which was emotions and feelings. It hit number 13 in both of those categories where it competed with three formats of wonder and everyone's familiar with wonder. We've, my kids are required, it's required reading in our fourth grade classroom. It's now a movie. So when you have three formats of a book, that's the super seller being number 13, you will take it any day of the week. That was incredible for her. I, for Shreya, I cannot be more excited for her. Um, that book, Shreya is a psychologist by trade and her specialty is in anxiety. And that book was written with the intent of fostering a way to communicate so that parents and children can talk about anxiety and, you know, help kids get whatever worries they have out of their head. It's not intended to diagnose or treat any mental illness, but it's just a, a starting off point where inside the book, kids can relate to the types of worries that Bianca has. You know, what if, you know, if there's a thunder, if there's a, what if there's a thunderstorm and there's lightning, you know, you worry about that. What is the solution for that? So throughout the book, um, we have these little worries and then Bianca finally realizes that the solution for this particular example is, well, if there's lightning, I will come inside. And what her, mother in the book does for her is help her talk through her worries and gives her a strategy of how to take those worries out of her head so they don't sizzle so much. Um, inside the book, the author uses bacon as something that Bianca doesn't like. And she compares that dislike of bacon to how does that make you, how do your worries make you feel? Well, they make me feel the same way I feel about bacon. They make me feel funny inside. So for each child, it could be anything. It doesn't have to be bacon. It could be maybe your kid doesn't like Brussels sprouts. You can relate it to anything. Um, the important piece was that Shreya used, based on her practice, used the most uh, common worries that children have inside the book so children can see themselves in these worries and they see that Bianca works through it, how she works through it, and that she's able to you know, enjoy her life and enjoy the things that make her happy. So you enjoy working with authors who are intellectuals, experts in their field, who also have yeah. something to say to children. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think it's important. Um, I didn't realize how great a, a tool the book was going to be. I knew it was good. I knew the story was good. And I knew, hey, this is relatable. Um, but until I actually saw her read to a first grade classroom and really connect with the kids and see how the children connected to the story that it made me realize how I was, this was missing from our catalog. It, I'm so glad that we were able to scoop it up because it is something that if I had seen in the public library for my youngest, he has some minor anxieties. This, it's nothing that keeps him from doing everything that he wants to do, but there are times where he needs to talk it out and get that worry out of his head. And if I had that book prior to now, it would have been something that I could have used as a tool and say, see, this is how we do this. Um, this is a good way. This is a good strategy. So I really enjoy that. Um, being able to use her knowledge and her expertise brings it all to a whole nother level. It's not just the timeless book that you've created. It's now this great tool that families can use to communicate and succeed in um, dealing with their their anxieties. Excellent. And now you've got a new series, Maddie and Cole, Volume 1. So there's a promise there. Tell me about the food truck. Grand Prix. Yeah. <laughs> so the Food Truck Grand Prix is the first 
uh, adventure for the Maddie and Cole series. And in it, we take the readers on this great adventure through the, a, a food truck competition. Um, this, the impetus for the competition really is the main character, Maddie, um, her, her desire to own a new bike. And of course, as children, we don't always understand the depth and scope and cost of things. So the new bike, of course, is the, the best of the best and the most expensive. So for her to be able to get this bike, the, her parents say, well, why don't you help your grandfather on his food truck and you can earn some money and we'll match dollar for dollar. Well, then you fast forward to, yes, the grandfather wants you to help on the food truck, but guess what? He's going to do this competition. So now Maddie is thrown into this whole new world and the whole new, there's stress involved. She doesn't think that her grandfather's food truck the physical appearance of it could win anything because it's not as flashy or as great. And she goes through a process of understanding how you don't have to be the shiniest object in the drawer to, to be successful, that it takes determination. It takes pride. Um, there's also a family secret uh, in the book that helps Maddie realize, Hey, anyone can do anything and how um, the underlying theme of the book is really about how every underdog has a tale and how, how Maddie overcomes this. Um, what's that? What's the word I'm looking for? She overcomes her own fears and self doubt uh, to be successful. And she starts to redefine what success is. It's not necessarily winning the Grand Prix. Um, it's maybe the success is in, you know, the family unit or in her friendship with her best friend. And that's really what the the book, how it's, how that book plays out. Um, and then as the series moves forward, there will be more adventures with her and her brother Cole. Um, and Cole is a part, a big part of this book, um, it's just that as the book unfolds, the reader has a, a bigger sense of Maddie's role versus Cole's role. And then um, there is, in addition to the family secret that helps her, Maddie creates a new cookie that we will eventually launch uh, the Maddie and Cole Cookie Company. Ooh. And we've already, yes, these things are awesome. So it is a take on the Baltimore, the official Baltimore cookie, which is the chocolate top. And Maddie has put her own little twist on it. And we found a baker who can create exactly what Maddie created in the book. So we will have Maddie and Cole cookies for sale before the end of the year. Well, that's amazing. <laughs> you're, it's so cool how you're able to connect these things with the community. Yeah. So we, that's, what, that's really ultimately what we'd like to do is really just be inside the community, be give back where we can. Um, for example, Richie has pledged 10% of his royalties of the sale of the Maddie and Cole series uh, to the Children's Cancer Foundation here in Southern Maryland. So you're not, when you're buying the book, you're not just supporting the author, you're also supporting uh, Children's Cancer Charity. Wow. Now you do have a couple of adult books too. You have From Drab to Fab and Dream Job. What has been your experience working with adults when you've been, you know, establishing this niche with children? Well, I, that was something I just wanted to see how all it all flowed. And the reason behind it is, is it's pretty simple for me. These women who wrote these two books have a big following in their own personal businesses. And um, From Drab to Fab is written by Judy Pressman, who is 
a, a certified image consultant who had her own image consulting business for many moons. She's in her 60s now. So when we published her a few years ago, I think she had just turned 60. Um, and she has, has had been sitting on this book for forever. And she's hugely popular. I didn't even know there was an audience or even a market for people who actually hire image consultants. And so throughout Maryland and DC, she has been the go-to person for image consulting in this area. So she came with a huge audience anyway, and she'd already been sitting on this book. So we found a ghostwriter for her because she's not, she will tell you, she's not a writer by trade, but this is, this is what she wanted to produce. And she included a lot of, um, just interactive pages where you can go through one of them is going through your closet and you kind of write down the things that you want to keep and what you want to throw away. And then there's this whole activity you do on your own um, as you're cleaning out your closet and the, the whole, all the psychology behind why you need to do this, why it's helpful. Um, and it's, it, it sold, it sells very well. I was a very, I was a little nervous about it. I didn't, I did like that. She came with the audience that she had, um, but it was it's been successful it's it, it was it was a bit a little bit of a surprise more than i thought it would be and then susan katz is her own she has her own business in business consulting and um we have a, another connection uh, to mississippi state her husband went to school there they still go down and travel to football games and sometimes a little baseball in the spring so uh that was an easy fit for me it she's her and her husband, easy to talk to. She also came with a very large Baltimore-based business audience. And so when an author can come with something that looks like it can boost sales, that's always appealing. Um, it's not just about the money, but she's very, she's one of the top business consultants in the Baltimore area. So it was a pleasure to work with her. Um, I met both her and Judy through a networking group that we all attended. And from that point, we just talked and uh, discovered that each of their books, while they're both fitting in the business genre, were very different. And so not, you know, while they compete with each other, they weren't directly competing in subject matter. Now, you also are very active. You have lots of different events that you participate in and that your authors participate in. I'm looking at your events page on your website, and I see that you, you keep everybody pretty busy out there. Do you attend as many as you can? Yes, I try to get to as many as I can. Occasionally, there's there are family obligations or there might be some overlap between authors where I can't be in two places at once. But other than that, especially locally, I try to go everywhere. Um, it's a great opportunity to meet other people, meet new writers, meet new illustrators. I've been really big over the last almost two years now on cultivating the local talent and supporting local writers and artists here in Maryland. And being present at those events not only you know helps boost my authors and their confidence, but it gets me personally in the community where I can meet ever meet the aspiring artists and the the talent that's present. I think there's um, in this day where we everyone is social media oriented and everything's on the web or through email and not even really email anymore because email, as you know, is so hard to ignore uh, or so easy to ignore, excuse me, uh, that when you go out and you actually speak to someone face to face, I think it, it gives them, they are, they're more confident in you as 
a professional in publishing um, and they're, they're put at ease more. I can be honest with people about where are you in your, in your writing, what stage are you at, where, what's your next step uh, and that sort of thing. And not to mention there is the opportunity to take lots of pictures, lots of videos so that we can post on social media and the world can see how busy we are, how popular these books are, how popular the author or illustrator is. And it helps, you know, boost everything. Um, and I, not to mention my kids, it's, I think it's good when they can attend, which they also attend almost all of them with me. It's good for them because they get to meet, they get to meet the people who are, are the, the, the authors, the illustrators of the content that they're reading and they, the, to see them, smile when they meet, oh gosh, I'm going to meet Caitlin. She's the author of this book, Pumpkin Pie, that I loved. And um, she, it's cool. She's an author. And, you know, at, just to see them smile is worth every, every minute of it. I love it. You know, when I was a younger mother, I did work at a museum, a hands-on museum. And one of the biggest reasons was because I wanted to integrate my children into my work life. I didn't want to lose sight of them as little children. You know, me going to work here, you go to school there, and we'll all meet up at six o'clock in the afternoon. But instead, being able to bring them into my world and to show them something unique and different and unusual, it, it was a blessing. And I can see that you've been doing that too. I, I was flipping through your Facebook, um, looking at different photos, and, and it's just so um, it's so gratifying to see your children smiling and being at these events and including the Baltimore book fair. You go to that festival on a yearly basis too with your children, don't you? Yes. We either attend just as attendees um, or occasionally I will, it depends on the year and what the, what the traffic looks like in terms of the foot traffic um, at the Baltimore book festival. We try to either have a table for a day in the, in the past we've done more, um, we tried doing having our own 10 by 10 space. Uh, that's really hugely competitive. Uh, and that's a really difficult thing to put on, especially with kids as they're, my kids are getting older and there's sports involved with them. So it's hard for me to do the full weekend, but we definitely get out there at the very least as attendees. Last year, we had a table on the first day of the book festival in the presenter's tent versus having our own tent out on the promenade. And that was, we, we did well there. Um, it's uh, not that it was on a Friday so that my kids couldn't come that day where we were actually working, but I did bring them the rest of the weekend because we had authors who were presenting in other tents. So it's, it's a great place to, if you ever, if anyone who's listening gets a chance to go to a book festival and take your kids, it's fantastic. It, it is is not what you think it is. <laughs> um, I have had a lot of people say, oh, my kids wanted to come, or I thought I'd bring my kids and just check it out. And this has been an amazing experience. This is, you know, more wonderful. It's hard to put into words why people enjoy it so much more when they actually go and get involved. I think a lot of it has to do with they get to meet authors and listen to panels and um, hear people speak in the library tents or in some of the bookstores, the local indie bookstores will sponsor a stage and bring in local or regional authors. And uh, I think that people really enjoy that one-on-one -on -one contact and actually get to say, oh, I met this author. I shook his hand. I have, have an autographed copy of his book or her book. Um, and my kids really enjoy that too. They're at a point now, though, where they're asking me 
if they can use, if they can take the sales, can we do the orders? <laughs> I think they just want to play with the the square <laughs> and run credit cards. Um, it's like a novelty. Let me ask you, are your children, any of them talking about being writers themselves? They, they're not necessarily talking about it. I have, um, my middle kid, we went on a trip for the oldest kid's birthday. And when she came back, she wrote a, she basically wrote a story on it, almost like a report, but it was a, it was a summary, but a story about her weekend and what, how much fun she had. <laughs> so I would say that the, the thought is there. Um, they more look at it like, uh, they're sixth and, and fourth and second grade. So my second grader, He's not really telling me what he wants to do when he grows up. But the other two say to me, they want to be teachers. And if that didn't work out, they want to work at the Omnibus Publishing. So I have a lot of pressure <laughs> to make sure that we stay in business and there's something to leave to them just in case they want to do it. Well, I'm amazed that how your business has grown. And I love the idea that you are working the product locally. I mean, in this day and age, a lot of people think, you know, I'm going to put a book out there and it's going to be international. I'm going to have international sales. And we overlook the fact that you should try to sell to your neighbor first. The community that you yeah. live in and the people that you can meet there and can connect with, they're going to make all the difference in your world because they're the ones who are going to become basically your author's tribe, you know, your local supporters. You're absolutely right about that. And not only that, when you have that local support and you, you keep moving forward with it, you know, Caitlin is now, she has two uh, library appearances to discuss her work. She's been interviewed on the local CBS channel. All of these things not only help prop her up within the community, but as we attempt to get her on a more regional and national and then global stage, it's all things that you can use to help push yourself. Um, you know, as we send stuff out to the big box stores and some of their meeting, some of their requirements, one of those things is press. And how do you plan on marketing this book so that it's successful in this area? And I, you know, it's easy to say then this is how we've done it here locally. And this is what our sales have looked like. This is what we can do in your area. And, um, I really feel like when you have your local community behind you, there's not much you can't do. You see it, I mean, you see it with natural disasters. You see it now with Caitlin's book, even where the community is supporting other people within the community to help make them successful. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Wendy. Is there anything you'd like to add? Any topics that we forgot to touch upon? I'd love to have any kind of feedback. No, we didn't. You didn't. I don't think we missed anything. Um, I'm just grateful for the opportunity. This one of the first interviews I've done just based on the business. A lot of times uh, the interviews are, are on a specific book or a specific author. So I've enjoyed talking about the process and my kids and how my family's been supportive. And I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed the show and that it motivates you to create something for someone you love today. Wendy's children were the main reason she started her company and now they help with the business. They're beta readers, vetting new manuscripts, and they help at book festivals and shows. She's building a community of readers, one heart at a time. I expect great things from Wendy and the Omnibus. If you have a young reader in your life, I encourage you to take a look at the books in Wendy's shop. You can find her online at theomnibuspublishing.com. 
You can find me online at robinvanauken.com. While you're on my site, download my novel, West Wind. It's free. And speaking of free, I've got half a dozen free resources for writers and other creatives, so sign up today. Check out the episode and the show notes at robinvanauken.com slash session 16. Thank you so much. And if you haven't done so, please hit that subscribe button on your device. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.